Are you ready to make a real difference in the world and especially to the people around you? Welcome to the Higher Purpose Podcast, where we celebrate the road less traveled in business, leadership, and life. We welcome you to another conversation that we believe will provide you with the insight and inspiration you need on your journey. Here's your host, Kevin Monroe. Hey, it's Kevin, and I want to welcome you to episode 141 of the Higher Purpose Podcast. And I want to say thank you for joining me today. I am grateful for how many of you who are listening are responding, and especially to last week's conversation, episode 140, Truly Human Leadership with Bob Chapman. I will tell you, it has stirred some deep and rich conversations with listeners from around the world. People are moved by the hope and optimism they received through my conversation with Bob. Many people shared they've listened more than once and plan to listen again. The idea of sharing a grounded sense of hope for a better future to all of those in your span of care resonates and it resonates deeply so deeply that people have reached out and are sharing in and i'm going to share a story i received a message this morning i'm recording this just so you know i'm recording this on wednesday april 1st i pushed this recording of the intro as late as i could for production timeline And I'm so glad I did. At 7.53 this morning, I received a message from Tiana Steinhoff in Switzerland. And she said, Dear Kevin, thank you so much for this wonderful podcast you recorded together with Bob. I've listened to it twice already, and I'm sure it won't be the last time. It's so rich in many different ways. Well, if you know me, you know I just can't leave a message like that alone. So I leaned in, responded, and said, Would you please tell me more about the richness you experienced. And Tiana responded, and then I went and asked, could I share this? And she said, yes. So thank you, Tiana. She said, after your podcast, I never told Bob this, but when I met him the very first time, he signed his book for me. He wrote, Tiana, there is hope, Bob. I took a picture of that inscription And it is the start screen of my mobile phone as a constant reminder. Such a little thing that is communicating such great hope. So then I asked Tiana, may I share that story and would you send me the image? So she sent me a screenshot. She said I could share the story. I'm sharing it with you. Then after this exchange with Tiana, I was in a conversation with Rachel Druckenmiller, a friend of mine who's been a guest on the podcast before, and I was telling her this story before Tiana had sent me the screenshot, and Rachel said, wait a minute, and she went and grabbed her copy of Everybody Matters and opened it, and there was the same inscription. Little things, three little words, or is that four? No, three. Three little words. There is hope. Now, it's my hope that this fuels hope in your heart. So it only seemed appropriate to extend the conversation I started with Bob about truly human leadership by inviting Jane Adshead Grant back to the podcast for a behind-the-scenes look 
at the Truly Human Leadership World Tour that took place about a month ago from the release date of this episode. You may remember Jane from episode 117 when we talked about listening. And there was something that happened in my encounter with Jane that, air quotes, made me or invited me, allowed me to become a better podcaster. Jane is an ambassador for Truly Human Leadership, and she accompanied Bob at every stop on the recent world tour. So listen in as she takes us both backstage and on the front row of the Truly Human Leadership Tour with Pop Chapman. What a joy it is to welcome Jane Adshead Grant back to the Higher Purpose Podcast. Jane, thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you for inviting me to come back. It's a pleasure to be here with you and your wonderful listeners again. Yes, it is. And this conversation will probably be very different than the first one we had. Although I have to say the first one we had definitely influences every conversation I've had since then, Jane. (laughs) If you've not heard that conversation, I invite you to pick that up as a listen. In that conversation, I received a challenge from Jane. She didn't issue it directly. It was indirectly issued that you can't listen and take notes at the same time. I used to take a lot of notes when I was conducting podcast conversations. Since that episode, I'm happy to report, I've put the pen down and don't take notes during a conversation. Just listen. And Jane, what I said to you before we hit record is because of that, I believe, and people tell me this, I'm a better podcaster because of that. So I just want to say thank you for that as we start this conversation. Well, thank you. And it's just a privilege to listen. I thoroughly enjoy your podcasts and the the sense of hope that I get from every single one, the wonderful guests you have on the show and the topics that you help ignite our thinking more deeply around the road less traveled, helping us to be more courageous in this world. So I'm thrilled. Thank you. Well, even when you say that, I'm thinking, well, some of the roads that used to be less traveled are much more traveled right now because of this global pandemic. And Jane and I, I'm adding this in conversations I'm having right now, more as context for you listening than anything else. We are recording this on Thursday, March 26th, and this is day 15 of the global pandemic of coronavirus, just as context. I don't know when you'll hear this. I'm not quite sure when we'll release this. I think it will release on April 7th. But Jane, you just used a word that is so vital now. So let's start there. Hope. Mm. Hope. What's fueling hope in your heart today? Wow, what a lovely question. Fueling the hope today is that in fact, just today, I decided to start looking for and collate stories of compassion that I see everywhere, that I see in our community, that I see at work with my colleagues and when with my clients and how they're describing to me how as an organization they are being more connected, they're being more compassionate about one another, they're being more conscious about the way they show up. And so these things giving me a sense of hope in order to not only get through, which I truly believe we will get through this situation, but as importantly, Kevin, how we are post 
this situation. So my hope is that we will learn a lot from this and some of the behaviors and ways of working and being with each other will be sustained. Yeah. This is a phrase I heard years ago. In so many situations in life, we have the option. We can become better because of it, or we can become bitter because Mm -hmm. of it. And right now, there is an opportunity for our better angels. I think Abraham Lincoln was one that used that phrase. Others have used that phrase. Our better humanity to let that shine. And even before we recorded, because we're connected in another community, I saw that story you posted. And I read that story, Jane, and my heart was lifted. Mm. I'm going to tell you the truth. It brought tears to my eyes. I actually teared up reading that story. So do you want to share the essence of it? Because it does birth hope. It does. Well, thank you. So this was on a local community Facebook page where some dear nurse from the NHS service here in the UK posted a story of thanks to our local supermarket, Waitrose, in a town near where I live in Billericay. And she went shopping at the end of her shift and she was greeted by a partner there who work at Waitrose to say, hey, are you a key worker? And she said, well, perhaps because I look so disheveled, but she flashed her badge saying she was. And immediately the Waitrose staff team member took her to the back to the storage area where there was a whole selection of foods and of everything she could possibly want um, in a special area for these people. So not only did she become resourced with her pasta and the things that she needed for her and her family, they also gave her a beautiful bunch of flowers and said thank you for all the amazing work you and your team members are doing for us right now. Like you, it brought my heart to my tears to my eyes and warmed my heart. So that's why I wanted to share it. And there's so many beautiful stories like that that are happening. I am grateful that you made the decision, hey, I'm going to start looking for those. I'm going to start collecting, curating, and sharing those. So let me ask another question, and you know this one's coming, and you listening know this one's coming if you're a regular. What are you grateful for in this moment? You know, I'm grateful for two things right now, if I can be so bold as to take two things. One is we are blessed with the most amazing weather right now. So as we started this conversation just before we went on air, I was sharing with you, as I sit here today in my office, I'm looking out over the most beautiful sunshine, bright blue sky, and then spring has really has started here. So I see birth of new things, beautiful flowers, and the birds are singing. And so I'm so grateful for the beauty that despite this tragedy that's going on around us, that we can still look for each and every day and be grateful for. The second thing that I'm super grateful for right now, Kevin, is my ability to work, to work with individuals, my clients and people in my community to serve them in a way to generate the hope that we talked about through creating a safe space for them to think well for themselves. Mm, That's beautiful. I've shared with so many people. I actually recorded a couple of videos for some friends this morning, recorded an audio yesterday that I posted of the birds singing. I walk every morning and they have just been amplified in their songs. And I'm just so glad that the birds didn't get the memo to stop singing. It seems like a lot of people in our world got memos to say, stop singing, stop being joyful. 
But the birds didn't get that memo. They're still singing. They're still joyful. And that births hope in me. Yeah. So, Jane, what we gathered for today, there was a happening, kind of like the week before the world changed its focus. You were with Bob Chapman, and Bob just joined last week's conversation, episode 140 of the Higher Purpose podcast. Bob was with me as a guest, largely because of your courtesy and suggesting, hey, Bob, you've got this invitation, would now be a great time. So we talked, and part of that conversation, we talked about truly human leadership with Bob, and then we talked about very briefly the truly human leadership tour that was in Mm. Europe that you were part of. And as I was preparing for that conversation with Bob, you and I were talking. I was like, tell me some of the things that went on in this tour, you know, just to kind of influence questions I might bring up with Bob. And then all of a sudden, it's like, huh, Jane, what if you and I had a conversation and we pulled back the curtain and went behind the scenes of the truly human leadership world tour? And that's what we want to do. But in two ways, kind of like not just behind the scene of the tour that happened in the first week of March, but also through the lens of what's happening now Mm. in our world and how this message of truly human leadership is more relevant and vital now than any time before. So. Where do you want to jump in and start responding to that, Jane? Well, thank you for that opportunity. And, you know, I have to start with saying how blessed we were to be there just before this all kicked off. I mean, it was quite incredible. As you know, we went to four different countries and Bob gave over 15 speeches at business leadership groups and universities. And I guess for me, what I would love to start off by saying is a huge thank you to everybody who made that possible. Um, You know, that what was really interesting for me as being part of it was to observe and to feel the audience, um, not only their warm welcoming for Bob and the team, their eagerness to hear this message. And for me, the reason it worked so well was because of the thoughtful preparation And that was from Roddy Miller and Jim Maher in Edinburgh, from Manuel Talada and Robert Caro in Spain, from Katerina Simonovic, Sergio Casella and Maladin Misolochik in Belgrade, Nuria Rojo, who you know well, in Zurich, Claudia Fesser, and the Ignite team led by Nadine Strangruber in St. Gallen. All of these people helped to make this tour not only take place, but also so thoughtfully put together the audience members where we could share the message. Yeah, I know in our conversation, Bob shared that in one of those venues, they shared with him, I believe it had over 400 people. Mm-hmm. Previous in all of the sessions they'd had before, they'd, they'd attract maybe 75 or 80. And I loved Bob's framing of that because some of you listening know Bob Chapman, and in your world, Bob Chapman is a rock star or may be a rock star. But in the bigger, broader world, Bob lives with a lot of anonymity. 
and he doesn't see himself as a rock star. So it wasn't because a big name was coming to a town necessarily, but because of a relevant message. Is that what you saw, Jane? It was. And that was in Barcelona at the Fontaine de Trabal. And it was the most exquisite building. And it was a profound and meaningful experience, not only because of the numbers, but because of the building and what it represented. So what struck me, Kevin, was that nobody disagreed with our message to care for people, for those who give art their hearts, their hands and their heads to work for us. But the part of the message that resonated so deeply was family. And as you know, in Europe, the culture is very family-centric. And so when we care for our team members as if they were a precious child, that's when I saw the faces light up and the thoughts ignited. It's like, oh, yeah. And it struck me as how relevant that is today, where some leaders and businesses are navigating this uncertain, unprecedented time with team members working remotely. And so how do we care for those people in our span of care, as Bob would say, even though we don't see them or we're not as connected as we might have been previously? And so what came out of it was actually, whilst nobody disagreed with the message, the challenge and the questions were being asked in these thoughtful Q&As were, well, how do we do this, Bob? And so this is the bit that really, for me, ignited not only sowing seeds, but also beginning to sprout the seeds. Because as Bob went on to share, this is what we learned on our journey at Barry Waymiller, of how we help and show people, how do we care for them? How do we help create an environment, a safe environment, being the business model, with a culture that listens to people, that gives people an opportunity to contribute to the way they work, to improve the way they work, and to be recognized for both who they are and what they do. This was the bit that really landed amongst the delegates that I witnessed. Okay, it strikes me that I may have skipped a question that may be important. How were you involved in this? Truly Human Leadership World Tour. Wow. (laughs) Thank you for asking. So I have the great fortune of connecting with people. Um, I also had ran our Inspire workshop here in the UK. And one of, in fact, two of our delegates had attended that. Roddy Miller, from who heads up the Ideas for Leaders in Edinburgh. And he came along to that and then asked me a few months later, do you think Bob would come to Scotland to share his message? Because... Right now, Scotland's appetite for this kind of leadership is just really palpable. And so I had a chat with Bob and together with Roddy, created the opportunity to speak with both business leaders and three universities in Edinburgh and Glasgow. And I also helped create the opportunity with Nuria to speak in Zurich, again, to create the opportunity to speak to leaders through the Hacking HR Forum. And then be the kind of center point connecting with our friends in Spain and Belgrade and St. Gallen to coordinate, I guess, coordinate and ensure that Bob and the team were at the right place at the right time and that they were cared for in their hotels and all those other arrangements. So I was probably the behind the scenes person. Behind the scenes, but also on the front row of 
the conversation, maybe not in the meeting, but the front row of the conversations that were happening and able to kind of see the whole week, the tour. So that's why we're talking is because of that unique vantage point. So what was the highlight of the tour for you, Jane? Well, you know, you've just made me think actually around my role in that. And I guess there were two highlights. I mean, I've had the privilege of listening to Bob and his speech and I learn something every time. And one of the highlights was having the opportunity to connect with delegates afterwards. So whether it be over coffee or, or over lunch and to learn and listen to them, how did this message land for you? And that was really inspiring. The second highlight for me was having the opportunity in Serbia to go with Bob um, to the new organization that Barry Waymiller had just acquired, Stax Technologies. And the kind of thing that stood out for me was, first of all, how did Barry Waymiller come to purchase Stack Technologies? Why Barry Waymiller? Why did they choose to partner with Barry Waymiller or be acquired by, not partner, be acquired by? Adopted. I think that is the word. Adopted. Now, right? You're right. Thank you for correcting me. Adopted. And, you know, it was interesting, this story, because I had the chance to speak with the head of finance, the head of sales, head of marketing, and the managing director, Maladin. And I asked them, you know, what's it like to be adopted by Barry Waymiller? And this was when we were on the bus. This was 7.30 in the morning, traveling from Belgrade Airport, you know, through to the plant, some hour and a half away from the airport. And they shared with me, you know, Jane, we have been so fortunate, even though they were giving us the least money <laughs> to be acquired. We went with Barry Waymiller. So we could have got way more money, but we chose Barry Waymiller because of their culture. Mm. And they had said to me what it's like, and it's early days, it's been three months. And they feel cared for like never before in the sense that they have connected with the parent company in the States who given them time resources, helped their thinking and how they can do things better mm. and improved so much. And also the integrity and credibility that comes with being part of Barry Waymiller because of its reputation in the manufacturing industry. Beautiful. And so the essence of truly human leadership, and Bob went into that in the conversation I had with Bob in episode 140, if you listening want to hear that from Bob himself, but the essence is caring for people and the skills and the courage to care. So say more what you saw of that in action. What did that look like for you as an observer there? Well, that's easy. There was one very visible observation, which was Bob made it paramount. The first thing he did was to acknowledge the team members who were standing outside the front door waiting for us, a group of 20 or more. They had prepared a stunning breakfast. So he showed interest in the local food, which they were so proud to share with us. And then over the next hour and a half, we visited every part of the plant and he made it his priority to go up and meet and talk to, and at that time still shake hands with every single member, whether it be the ladies in the parts renewal, the administrative staff, the gentleman ladies in the plant itself, even the guy having lunch in his breakout session, and the engineers, 
every single one and he showed an interest it wasn't just hello who you know it was a real hello and a little conversation with each of them remarkable mm. Mm. so as you've reflected on this and as our world has changed and we're in the same month right now as when this tour happened when we're recording and the world has changed both drastically and dramatically how are you seeing the leaders you interact with demonstrate truly human leadership. And as you said, right now, I can't necessarily walk up to your desk and mm. thank you personally or sit down with you for a conversation at your desk. What does this mean in this current environment that is so much more virtual? And we've now learned a new word that you didn't even know when you took that tour social distancing right i didn't know social distancing the first week of march did you jane kevin i didn't know the term social distancing and it still sounds and feels incredibly unfamiliar and unusual and uncomfortable and yet it's responsible to behave in this way in answer to your question around the leaders that i have the privilege of coaching right now it's around how do they develop further and sustain their inspiring leadership at a time when so many people and they themselves are really uncertain and the dynamism of every day, we're getting new information out every day and this generating kind of fear and anxiety in some team members and also the concerns around productivity, how that's being impacted. And so for me, the, the leaders that I'm currently working with, the thing that I love most is their increased self-awareness. Where do their strengths lie? And I had a coaching conversation the other day where a gentleman was asking me to, was really thinking about his priorities. And it wasn't so much, he didn't need to think about or to be coached on what his priorities should be, but actually the process of prioritizing. Mm. One of the things that came out was around I know my people, this is my number one priority. And he's the CEO of a, a multinational organization. And so one of the things that was really, he found very valuable was my challenge around how do you stay connected to a wider group of people virtually? Mm. He's very good on one-on-ones, always asking, always touching base with them. How are they feeling? What's going on for them? But has never done it on a virtual call. And mm. through our coaching conversation, through challenging him and inviting him to think differently, was to have the idea of even on a wider call, you can connect with people briefly by simply asking for them to describe how they feel in one word or a short phrase. Mm. And even with 15 or 20 people on a call, what that seeks to do, it helps people to express how they feel. And once they've spoken, they will then feel part of that meeting. And that for him also enabled him to know and touch base with or feel connected more to his team members. Mm. Okay, there's another thing that you can do virtually that Bob does so beautifully. Mm -hmm. And if you're hosting virtual meetings, I cannot emphasize the importance of this enough, Jane. What is it that I'm thinking in this moment? It's a brilliant call out. Yeah, using our names, this conversation you had with Bob, he used your name, Kevin, more than half a dozen times, appropriately. 
And for me, what that does, it deepens our connection and it helps to bring us together and share with you how much I care. Yeah. So simply, if you are the one hosting the call, when people arrive into your virtual meeting, Zoom room or GoToMeeting or any of the other platforms, and there's so many of them out there, simply say, hey, Jane, welcome. It's great to have you join us today. Hello, Bob. Hello, Mike. Hello, Susan. Right, Folks, as Jane said, there is a big difference between overusing people's names and an appropriate use of people's names. So be genuine with it and don't preface and pack every comment with their name five times. That's too much. But recognizing people, let people know that even in this virtual environment, I see you. I care for you and I'm connecting with you. Thanks for mentioning that. I just, yeah, that opportunity, that's a new way for many of you listening to connect to people, but there's still that opportunity to demonstrate care. Can I just offer this? There's an extension of that that I use on email as well. So you may have experienced this yourself, Kevin, when you've experienced an email for yourself and more than others, that I also extend that to on an email. I would say, dear Kevin, Gary, Mike, and Josiah, thanks for our call today. Now, most people would put dear all or nothing at all. Again, I deliberately call out your name on email because I want you to know that you are part of this email. And so it's intentional. You know, I have done it up for when I'm, I have an alumni, I have 10 people that I'm connecting with and I will write all 10 people's names because I want it. I want them to see that. There are, of course, other times when we have to BCC members because the email hasn't been agreed that everybody can have that detail. So some of my other work, I'm unable to do that, but that's for client confidentiality. Mm. But I just wanted to extend, there's a way of doing that on email that helps people feel cared for. And you listening, if I knew your name, if Jane knew your name, and we could call your name, Nikki, I know you're listening. Mm. Gary, I know you're listening. Steve, I know you're listening. Nuria. Hey, even in a podcast, your ears perked up. You may have drifted your attention because of something going on in the world around you. The moment you hear your name in any environment, you pay attention. Jane, there's something else. Bob blew me away with his answer to the what are you grateful for? Mm. And I know you know, what was it that Bob shared that he was grateful for? Well, it was a stunning, it was a beautiful story. And it was the story he was grateful for, the unearned trust that his father gave to him that enabled Bob to develop Barry Waymiller as the business that it is now. and. And by doing that, the impact he has had, Bob has had for his family, his sisters, his family, his grandchildren, and also the 12,000 team members that he holds very dearly 
And the thing that struck me was, as he described, the unearned trust that Bob had not yet had the chance to demonstrate to his dad, hey, look, I've got this. I can do this. And that's what he was so grateful for. And for me, what was deeply moving in that piece was how this actually impacts our world today in the way we live our lives and the decisions we make will impact people's lives. So Bob's father's decision to give that unearned trust, unbeknown to him, God bless him as he passed away, has created and generated and impacted thousands of people's lives. And that capacity to generate trust, it's another conversation that came up only today with one of my coaching clients, how she is generating trust of not only her customers and she's in financial services. It's a very volatile market. And how we can do that through our competence, our being consistent, our character, and our sense of compassion. What else are you hearing emerge in your coaching conversations with people right now in the middle of a global crisis? Well, the fact that we've never been through this before. So it's a first time for everybody. And for some, it's stepping up into a more vulnerable place. And so a theme has been around becoming more courageous Mm. and actually helping people change the perspective, as in the perspective being, you know what? This isn't forever. We will get through this. And so how do I, as a leader, generate this sense of hope we began our conversation with today? And at the same time, some grounded reality. Mm. Yes, it's tough. Yes, we're having to work remotely. And some of us have never done this before. Some of us are grappling with technology like we've never done. Others are struggling with anxiety. Some who want clarity where it's unclear. Some who want certainty where it's uncertain. And so helping people as leaders generate this unearned trust in their team members and a willingness to know that they don't know all the answers, to be more vulnerable. Actually, the result I'm hearing is that their team members and wider stakeholders are working in ways that are much better and improved than they were before. The trust is deepening. The relationships are deeper. Those are the key things for now. Okay, you use the word hope and return to our opening conversation of hope. Let's talk about optimism a moment. I love that Bob is, he describes himself as an eternal optimist. I use the word perpetual optimist is how I describe myself. Jane, you're an optimist, even in these difficult times. Mm. Why is optimism not frivolous, but absolutely essential? Well, I mean, I think it is personally. And at the same time, I'm sensitive to those who have the other perspective. So I think with the optimism comes also an empathy and a sensitivity. But in answer to your question, why I feel too it's essential is that as leaders, one of our roles is to lift people up. 
to create this sense of hope. And by doing so is us being optimistic. And what I loved about listening to your conversation with Bob, and yes, he's eternal optimist and is always looking for the good in people. And I wholeheartedly agree and I seek to be that way myself. One of the interesting things that came out on the European tour was a challenging question for Bob in relation to that behavior was, well, do you not feel, Bob, that some people therefore take you for granted? Hmm. And so he responded, maybe they do, but I'm not focused on those people. I'm focusing on those people whom I can serve and support and who get it, who continue to demonstrate the courage and skills of caring. And so I believe it's really essential. I believe it's essential for us to look for the goodness in others so that they can be themselves and who they were meant to be. And we can do that by uplifting them, by creating this sense of optimism in a grounded reality. That is so important. Optimism in a grounded reality. And Bob is very clear on that, as am I. It's not Pollyanna-ish. It's not stick your head in the sand and ignore what's going on around us. Viktor Frankl termed it mm. tragic optimism. That even in the midst of great adversity, we have this immense, enormous hope that there is a better, brighter future. We will get through this. Back to what we said earlier, we will be better for having gone through it. So Jane, Mm. thank you for sharing this. What do you think? Bob even mentioned, and you built on this, that some seeds were planted. Some seeds have already begun to sprout. So what's happening as some of these seeds are experiencing a storm, right? This global Mm. storm. What's your hope for this truly human leadership world tour after this crisis? What do you believe? What do you hope happens? Mm, Thank you for that. Well, my hope is that in this new normal, that we actually begin to grow and sustain a much greater consciousness about the way we lead. As I mentioned earlier, the way we lead impacts people's lives. And it's not only those people who have the privilege of a leadership role, because I believe we're all leaders. We are all leaders in our lives. And the decisions we make impact people's lives. So the number one thing is I feel and I hope that we'll become more conscious. The second thing is that I hope we become, and well, we already are seeing these wonderful stories and examples of compassion. My hope is post this situation is that people become much more compassionate on a sustained basis. And my reflection on this piece was, interestingly, I was thinking just yesterday that, so it's interesting to note, as I was reflecting earlier this morning, that prior to this crisis, some may have seen supermarket workers, for example, as lower in the hierarchy. Whereas today, we see them as heroes in the hierarchy. And the other thing, I suppose the last thing my hope is that we continue to be creative in the way we work and be together. That we use this time to reflect on what has worked well, what we've accomplished around things we never thought possible. How technology has enabled us and how we can embrace this opportunity of an unprecedented change so that we can be better 
as a result of it, as you so beautifully said earlier, not bitter, but better. All those are beautiful shares. And I'm going to pause and I'll just say, I'll reflect on those in my wrap up because that was beautiful, Jane. So before we go, or as we draw this conversation to a close, what else would you like to interject or to call back from this conversation to pull it together for you and us? Thank you. I think pulling it together, it's around really anchoring the skills and courage to care is what we need, our team members need, our communities need more than ever. And so for me, having the skills and courage to care is first of all, knowing who we are as leaders to operate from a place of values, whether it's optimism, it's care, it's compassion. It's to listen, to listen with empathy to build and generate that trust we spoke of earlier and to stay connected, to stay connected to your team members in ways that you may not have done previously. So using some of those wonderful ideas Kevin spoke about, using people's names as a way to help them stay connected. And Jane, speaking of staying connected, for people that would like to connect or stay connected with you beyond this conversation, where do we direct them? Well, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm very active there and always really look forward to connecting with people on LinkedIn, just as Jane Ad said, Grant. Also my website, janeadsaidgrant.com, all one word, lowercase, no hyphen. And I regularly write blog posts. So I always love to share uh, resources that I hope will inspire your thinking and help others along the journey of leadership. Well, thank you, Jane. You certainly inspire me, my thinking along my journey. So thank you for joining and having this different kind of conversation today where you were really sharing your reflections from behind the scenes. Beautiful conversation. I'm grateful for you, Jane. And for me, I would love to hold the mirror up and say I'm hugely grateful for you, Kevin. As always, I love listening to you and the thought-provoking questions that you help me to connect even deeper with the work and the message that I love to share with others. So thank you for this time and doing what you do so beautifully. Well, you are welcome and thank you, Jane. Thank you, Jane, for joining us and sharing these insights and observations from the Truly Human Leadership World Tour. I love the opening of our conversation and I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Jane. What's fueling hope in your heart today? And there is plenty to fuel hope. And it's like Jane said, just start looking around, collecting stories of compassion, stories of care. I hope you fill your heart. Keep it filled with hope. That also ties into the exchange I had with Tiana just now. There is hope. Three simple words. And we will get through this together. At the heart of Bob's truly human leadership message is the idea of caring for your people like family. You heard Jane talk about how that resonated with people throughout all of the stops on their European tour. And it's what's guiding Bob right now and what's helped him navigate previous challenges that were similar, not quite the scale of this, but similar. By asking, how would a family respond? 
and then exploring ways to share the hurt and the suffering together. So let me ask you this as we wrap this up, dear listener. Who in your span of care needs to feel or experience your care today? And what can you do to demonstrate care? You know, I mentioned talking with Rachel Druckenmiller earlier. I called her to say thanks for posting a video of her singing, Let It Be. And she said to me, I wish you could have seen the smile on my face when I saw your name appear in my phone. I paused and asked, isn't it amazing what something as simple as a phone call can do? I've been in conversations where people said to me and have said or questioned, what can I do? I wish there was something I can do to make a difference right now. I'm telling you, there is something you can do. Bob's message again, his book, Everybody Matters, that's his message, is Everybody Matters. My challenge is, what will you do today to show somebody they matter to you. Right now, we have millions of people around the world wondering, do I matter? And you and I have the amazing opportunity to connect with them and demonstrate care and to tell them you matter. I hope you know that, that you matter to me. Thank you for listening. And I hope you know you can do what Tiana did and reach out to me, whether you do it on LinkedIn or emailing me at Kevin at HigherPurposePodcast.com or calling or texting me at 678-744-5111. I invite you, encourage you to fuel your hope today and help someone else fuel theirs. Thank you for being a difference maker. What could 10 days of gratitude do for you? Find out what hundreds of people have experienced and make a change that can last a lifetime at thegratitudechallenge.community because it's better when we do things together.